Recorded live from the mats of Radical MMA in New York City, the Martial Culture Podcast. Your source for in-depth combat sports and martial arts insights with, with Coach, Coach Renee Dreyfus and, and Matt Peters. Peters. Ring the bell and let's, let's get, get it, it on. on. Hang on, I gotta make sure I hit record. <laughs> did I hit record? <laughs> I did, we're good. Okay, Welcome we're good. back to the Martial Culture Podcast. Hi, hi Renee. Hello, Mr. Matt going? Peters. Hang 11 cords. <clears throat> this is live, right? Is it live? We'll do it live. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> uh, UFC 235. UFC 235. The return of John Bones Jones. <laughs> the return he... of something. <laughs> <laughs> the return of Turnable. <laughs> the return of Turnable. Turnable. Turnable turns again. <laughs> we got to think about that. Was, that was some card. That was, that was some card. It was... Um, it's like Charlotte's it, Web. Some card. Like some pig. Oh, I you know, I that went over my head. All right. I, it's been a while since Literary I saw Charlotte's Web. No, that's Put a it great in the book. Comments. No, no, it's a one. I just it's been probably like It's a book? It's probably forty five years since I, Yeah, it's a movie, right? It was the anime animated movie, right? The yeah. one you're talking about, right? Yeah. yeah. I think they made a live action one too. Probably. No, but yeah, it was some Trump. card. Yeah, it was. And it was interesting because um, you know, some fighters really turned up and some didn't. Uh, starting with, you know, Diego Sanchez refuses to lose. He fought Mickey Gall, who's, you know, kind of touted as an up-and-comer and proved that veteran experience really trumps a lot of things. I really like Diego, Diego Sanchez. Guy is a, a warrior. He's a scrapper. You know, he was he was in the first, he was the champion of the first uh, Ultimate Fighter. I remember back watching in, that, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I first saw him. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. Uh, so, yeah, um, pretty amazing. And... Um, and the Johnny Walker flying KO, that was pretty amazing. There was a Johnny Walker's like kind of the new, you know, killer on the street. Mm-hmm. You know him and Maheta, You know the the one who who with the, the hammer on his chest. Those guys come from Brazil and they they have they have a lot of power. But um, one of my favorite fights, which I know a lot of people are talking about because it wasn't like super super action packed, was was a beat. Uh, Magomed Sharipov I must have gone to the versus during that one. Stevens uh, and uh, Jeremy Stevens. It's, it's a great, really technical fight. And Zabit's footwork, you know, that kid is something else. He's he's another one. You know, I, I remember when Adesanya first came on the thing, and I said, "Well, Adesanya is great." Well, I feel the same thing about Zabit. You know, he he's he does a couple things flashy here and there, but really, um, he's about great technical fundamentals. And it's kind of cool because you know he's basically from the Shaolin Temple. Do you know that? So there's okay. So in in I believe it's Dagestan where he's from. They have this martial arts school where you just join when you're like 14, and it's like Hogwarts for fighting. (laughs) And and all you do is just train all day, and they develop fighters, and uh, and that's all you do all day. It's like like a monastery for fighting. It's crazy. And he he uh, he. That's all he does all day, and he's really good. And all the dimensions of of martial arts. He's great striker. He's very good takedowns. And in, and I don't remember he had that um, cry bar submission where it was a leg lock from the back that looked really in, just incredibly painful. And remember, there was two in one night. It was a few UFCs ago. But he he had the guy's back, and the guy kind of tried to shake him off. And then he grabbed his leg and stretched his leg out, and and just did a really 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 painful submission. Mm. So. Um, uh, this is, that submission has a couple different names, uh, but I, I, everybody used to call it the cry and he bar, the cry bar, right? Because you really, really cry <laughs> yeah. when it happens. So he's 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 very good at submissions, very good at striking, and I really look to see his um, his future. Now he is a smart fighter. 
Which brings us to Cody Garbutt and Pedro Munoz. Mm, did you? Did you yeah, oh my God. It was like crazy. It was nuts. It started out super technical and like back and forth. Okay, Cardi, Cody's switching stance and this and that. Pedro Munoz doing low kick, this and that. Oh, it's technical. And Munoz is like more traditional striker. And Cody Garbutt's the new, mm. you know, striking 2.0. He's going, he's moving. And then he's like, oh. Fuck you, motherfucker. You just pissed me off. I'm going to stand the dude absolutely nothing but brawl. And they just stood head to head and just threw gonna, bombs at each other. Who's going to pass out first? Right. Who's going who's gonna to drop? It was like rock'em, sock'em robots. It was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And, you know, fans go wild, but they just stood in front of each other and just wailed on each other. Did you see that old pride fight with um, Don Fry and uh, Tuck? Oh, and they're just yeah, slamming yeah, each right. I can't it's Brown Five versus a, pro, a blonde-haired Japanese pro wrestler, and they just yes. grab yeah, they just, <laughs> just tee off on each other for like five minutes. <laughs> it was just so stupid, and this was like reminded me of that. It was like, okay, footwork, all that training we did, the slipping and moving, and Bobby, we're not gonna do that. Yeah. What we're gonna do is just stand in front of each other and trade bombs like a dumb street fight. He says uh, that he suffered an accidental headbutt. Yeah, and he got, and then yeah, he, he got pissed off, and then he uh, he doesn't remember the le- next three minutes. Really? He said oh. that he was on autopilot and just No kidding. Maybe he blacked out a little bit. Mm, yeah, that's that's probably. You know, that's an interesting thing because a technically technically headbutts are illegal in MMA. Now the I I bring my head backwards and slant, grab your neck and slam my head into your head is not really legal. You'd probably be called out for that. But that's actually not a great technique anyway. But let me tell you Headbutts are everywhere, and they really change the nature of fights. And let me tell you, if you look at crime statistics, too, one of the most common street assaults is a headbutt. So you have to prepare yourself for that. You have to prepare the wrestler coming in and cracking heads or, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, boxers used to do it all the time. Uh, Holyfield was really well known as, 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 a, as, a, as a dirty headbutt fighter in boxing because it's a technically illegal. But, you know, Munoz, I'm not saying he did it on purpose, but – Accidental headbutts and purposeful headbutts are a part of the MMA game. And, you know, am I cocking my head back and headbutting? No. But as I'm coming in for a shot or as I'm slipping and bobbing and weaving, bop, you know, I hit you and cut you. I've seen a lot of fights, the dynamic completely changed from a headbutt. So you have to protect yourself. And mm-hmm. Cody, you know, he has great head movement. But if you notice, he was fighting with his hands down before the before the knockout. He he does a lot of like upper body movement to slip and bob and weave, and uh, and he he actually got Munoz through a couple hooks, and he he dove, you know, he kind of weaved underneath them, and and it was really good. But the thing is, when your hands are down, the chance of you getting hurt. Like old school Anderson Silver. Remember that? His hands are down. Come on, Chris Weidman. Come on and get oh, me. Yeah. Bop. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Okay. I will. Here I'll I take come. that. I will I will I will accept that offer to knock you out. <laughs> and and uh and that's what he's doing. Man, I don't believe with fighting your hands down. I don't believe it. It's just no. too dangerous. Particularly it's not really effective when somebody's trying to like hit you with a, you know, uh Baseball bat or, or like something the, like that. The first you know? thing you learn. Yeah, keep your hands keep up. Your right. hands yeah, up. exactly. Right. And and of course, sometimes your hands do come down. You can't sure. help it, but you want to keep up. So if your hands are down, you're going to get headbutted. Yeah. And I've seen that probably in in this year alone, in the fights I've seen this year alone, I've probably seen four major headbutts. And last year, I stopped counting after like 25. There's so mm-hmm. many headbutts. But the old school headbutt is not there. But actually, that old school headbutt was not something I found like completely effective. Also, it damages you. Now, you know, if you don't really know how to do it, I'm a headbutt aficionado and I teach <laughs> a headbutt 
all the time because I actually learned from a guy in Japan how to really throw headbutts effectively. And um, and there's a martial art that includes headbutts called Lathwai. Uh, it's um, Burmese boxing. It's basically Thai boxing plus headbutts. And you can see the, the intricacies of that style. So, man, it's a part of MMA, whether they're accidental or on purpose, and many of them are on purpose. You have to keep your hands up. And and if he was <laughs> knocked senseless from that headbutt, man, that's also your defense was porous. Yeah. But he still won uh, yeah. 50 grand for being fight of the night. So. Fight of the night, huh? Congratulations. Yeah. But but just standing in front, you know, I, I didn't realize that he was, he says he knocked senseless, but I think maybe, I think maybe. Is it an excuse? Yes. I think it might be like partially true because he has a history of losing his cool. Yeah. He does. He has a history yeah, yeah. of losing his cool and he needs to be more composed in in his fights, the minute emotion takes over, you will not fight your best. You have to be in that zone. And we talk about this many times. The minute you're like, motherfucker. And and I believe that he got headbutted. If I remember correctly, I have to watch the fight again. I've only seen it since the one one time. But I think he was – if I remember, you, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he did signal to the ref that he got headbutted. He was kind of yeah. complaining about it, right? Mm-hmm. So how unconscious can you really be if you have the wherewithal to complain about it? Yeah. Now, I'm not saying he's lying. I'm not saying that. But it's also – Mm. Convenient. Convenient. Isn't it convenient? Mm. <laughs> so the next three losses in a row, all to uh, KO in the first or second round. Yeah. He, you know, and it's fan favorite, but, mm. you know, if you do all that training to be tactical and you're not drawing on it, there's a problem. And before we started, you said that he might need a, you know, sports psychology coach. I think that's that's the best thing I've ever heard. It's like, dude, calm your emotions. Mm-hmm. Be have that thousand mile stare and be a Zen warrior. You yeah. cannot get roped into. It. The other thing about Cody is like, dude, you know, you have to use your grappling more, and uh, and not just just be a strike. He's like kind of fell in love with his his, his punching, which is good, really good. Um, but also, you know, he's actually quite a good wrestler. And why he doesn't, you know, uh, use those 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 techniques, kind of beyond me. You know, mm-hmm. he kind of got in love with his his hand, and that happens to a lot of people. Tyrone Woodley, we're going to talk about. Um, old you know he's not really in the contention anymore but uh uh um what's his name the big rig um johnny johnny hendrix you know like they come from a wrestling background but then they get so in love with punching that they just forget to wrestle there's so many guys like that and you know the best way to confuse a partner a, opponent and and open them up is to switch from one dimension to the other very quickly and uh, you know he doesn't really do that you know so mm-hmm. Um, so that was my take on that. But Pedro Mujos, this guy's coming up, man. This guy's legit. He's got very good grappling. And he's like one of those new school Brazilian guys where he's very well rounded. He start, you know, he's he's got as I as I understood, I, I didn't do the research, but they said it on the on the podcast on the cast that he has over four hundred uh grappling matches, jiu jitsu matches in competition. And he's he's then he also has like a lot of boxing competition. So he's like one of those new school Brazilians that has a very strong grappling background. And has very good good takedowns, and also for pretty good striking. I mean, mm-hmm. the kid is so legit. He's he's like more old school striking, but but he's good. He's really good, and he was he was giving Cody fits with those calf kicks, you know. So so um with, with the kicks. So so hey, there you go. Um, then there was the next one I was watching was uh, Wei Li Zhang and Tisha Torres. And have you seen any of Zhang's previous fights? No. She's like a in Chinese female Vanderlei Silva. <laughs> <laughs> she right. comes to brawl, man. This girl is a tank. She's a little bit more. I wouldn't say she's not technical, but she is not the most fluid fighter. But she just gets in your face and just wants to f you up. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Tisha Torres, they were like kind of clones of each other. They're girls, but they're very very physical. 
both of them. They're very physical. And it was a teacher towards like fighting her clone. And um and and uh just Whaley outstruck her and 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 really outscrambled her on the ground. Then they um they exchanged a lot of headlock throws, which is you know basically a hip throw, but over the headlock, which I don't really always agree with. Mm-hmm. But um and then but it they she comes to fight. She will not be anything to ever challenge the main top three like the um Rose or Joanna. But this girl comes to fight and um but she's not quite there yet for the upper echelon. She she needs to she needs to put it together a little bit more. But what a heart and um very interesting uh interesting matchup that they were two kind of like you know, clones of each other. They just came to brawl and they did. And um and and you know, Tisha tried to keep it technical, but the other she's overpowered, just overpowered. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to the last two, the 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 the, 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 the major, major card. So okay, I'm gonna shut up. What did you think of Bobby Lawyer versus Ben Askren? What did you think? So think for the people a, people who don't know, fight. go 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 over what happened. It was a great fight. Uh, the, they called it perfectly. There was no issues that I could see. <laughs> Uh, you know, Robbie Lawler was taking a nap. You know, what are you going to do? <laughs> do you actually believe that? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, his hand dropped. I mean, he, uh, so he had him on the ground at the end of the fight, and yeah. they, they called it as yeah. a uh, submission. Yeah. And um, yeah. his hand dropped, and it looked yeah. it looked it did it did it right looked, away yeah, at the yeah. first, but he just his hand just came off the cage. Yeah, yeah. No, it so didn't drop. So you know, this is I think Ben Askren looked like crap, and this is the question was. It, you know, because Ben Askren's the Bellator champ, mm. he's the one FC champ. Can he stand up? Like, because he's from another promotion. The, the real question was, does he have the level to make it in the UFC? And Robbie Lawler is tough. I wouldn't say he's, you know, in you know, going to go for the title anytime soon. But he's he's definitely a gatekeeper. He's a tough guy, and he's in the mix. What does Ben Askren have? You know that, uh, you know, to to make it in the UFC, and it shows it. He. Really knows how to wrestle ride, how to how to ground control, but his striking is really terrible. Yeah. So you and, think that uh, Robbie was winning that fight? Oh, I mean, did yeah. you see? He picked him up and slammed oh, him yeah, on his that head. Was an amazing slam! Oh my god, <laughs> that was like that was in Japanese. That's called the skuinage, or it's a variation of the high C, where you just go and just pick him up, and he just flipped him over, and just the guy fell right on his head. You know, reminiscent of uh, like some of the old school wrestlers who used to drop people on their heads a lot. Mm-hmm. Not completely on their head, but um, Karelin from Greco Roman would just pick guys up and, and rotate them in many different ways. Not not the same as this. And uh, there's a lot of wrestlers who who just didn't have those those just powered power bomb dumps, and Robbie was like, "You're not going to take me down." But then mm-hmm. he just kind of weirdly shut off, and and Robbie has never been great on the ground. That's just a fact. He's never been a ground guy. He's a sprawling brawl guy. And Askren did wrap him up, and it's weird. He just stopped. I was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And and then he got his back taken, and he escaped. The choke the wrong way because it started that that the choke that he got caught in was called a bulldog choke, which is not that common in MMA. The most common finish, the, the finish that way back when, do you remember Pat Militich? Mm-hmm. Pat Militich fought Carlos Newton, and Pat Militich was the man. He's like, oh, he's a well-rounded new breed fighter. Carlos Newton puts him a bulldog choke and put, puts him unconscious. And uh, and um, this there was another bulldog choke. I think it was Matt Hughes or something. Yeah, and not the most common submission, but it does happen, and it's a legit choke. It's not just a neck crank. And you wind up there if you expose your neck or ex- escape the back attacks the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And then it looked like Robbie Lawler 
was out. And I was like, whoa, is he out? But then he's still moving. And then the, the referee stopped the fight. And he popped back up. Mm-hmm. So not a good call, but totally understandable as Joe Rogan said. You know, like, like is he out? Is not? And it is what it is. It's better know? to make the wrong decision that way. Yeah, right, right. the opposite. Right, right. I would have still, even if he was there, I would have given it a little longer because it wasn't like even for the safety fighters is very important. I totally believe that. But he only had it for a little bit. I you just know? wondered, like, did he? It was Herb, right? Was the referee? Yeah, Herb, yeah, yeah. Did he? And Herb's a great ref. Did I he mean, make he a mistake? But... Did he communicate with him and say, like, give me some sort of, some sort of indication yeah, that yeah. you're? I don't think he did, and I think that's what he should have done. But he did yeah. shake his hand, and like he kind of shaked his hand, shook his hand. But this is what happens when you get choked a lot. You don't see what's going on. So a lot of times you're choked, and your your world distillates to the arm around your neck. You're not you're even if you can't you, maybe you can physically see, but your all your consciousness just goes to that point. So you you're not receiving the visual the signals of your eyes. So a lot of times I'm gonna choke and I can't see anything. It's just it's just darkness. So not and I'm not getting choked out. I mean like you're just so focused on the choke, you're not looking, you're not seeing. Mm-hmm. And what I believe Robbie Lawler tried to do, I don't believe he was out. And Dave Cameron was a very famous jiu-jitsu master and former coach at AKA and great, great. He said, uh, but he would even if he wasn't out there, he would have gotten caught anyway because he was done. But I don't know about that. And I respect his opinion. I absolutely respect Dave Camarillo. But, hmm, you know, the way I saw it, and I'm not saying I'm right, but the way I saw it was he was he knew he was in a bad spot. A lot of times when you're in a bad spot, you try to limp out. You try to, like, wiggle, wiggle, wiggle and limp out. And I really <laughs> think that's what he's doing because it's a technical way. To get out, especially yeah. when you're caught in kind of a neck crank, like a choke neck crank combination, if you explode, man, you're gonna just hurt yourself more. And I think his vision went to just like, what's this thing? And somebody's playing with his hand. He doesn't know if it's Herb Dean, and he doesn't know if it's Ben Askren messing with his hand. He doesn't know, so he's like, I'm not, I'm not responding. I'm just focusing on limping out of this choke and making sure it doesn't get deeper. And um, and uh, that's what I think happened. I don't think, I don't think Ben Askren had him. And uh, there, you said there's going to be a rematch, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they already said that. Do you, when, do you know when it's going to be in London? So what, what, I think that's what, soon. It's good, good because he totally deserves a rematch, and I don't think Ben Askren will take this one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Ben Askren is not ready for the elite of, them, of UFC, regardless of the, what happened. He is not. He is not ready. This kid is going to get shellacked. Um, if he can't, you know, it's it's, it's he's, he's unidimensional, and you know, unidimensionals fighters generally don't do well in the mid to low weight classes. So this, you know, the the you know, you could be a little more unidimensional like Nagano in 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 heavyweight, but when you go to the lower weight classes, it's very, very difficult. Like, you know, I always talk about Damian Maya, although tremendous respect for his last performance. Tremendous, I mean absolutely amazing. But if you're unidimensional and your opponent has more skills, you know, hey, it's gonna be and this is this is the the Woodley fight exactly. You know, you're dealing with a person who has a lot of skills and you're trying to bring only one skill to bear. So very, you know, Askren, I I just, you know, I'm a little disappointed because actually his mat control, his mat work is really amazing. It's amazing. But he reminds me a little of Jake Shields, who I have a lot of respect for. But Jake Shields never took to the striking game. He just never did. And uh, and Matt, Ben Askren's striking does not really, does not impress me. And also... He seems to be able to if he fights someone with a really good takedown offense, or or I don't think Ben I don't know what Brad Askren has on the ground in terms of 
really detailed submission game in terms of wrestling mat work, which is very different from jiu-jitsu. It's about wrist rise and control and ground and pound. Mm. He's very good. Um, you know, like a Daniel Cormier or even a John Jones or a Khabib, you know, they have that control. But then they also can put it together, particularly Jones and Khabib, can really put it together with a detailed understanding of the submission game. And I don't know if Ben Askren has it. I don't know. I'm not saying he doesn't. But it's interesting to see what he has. Um, you know, Ben Askren did give himself a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, which is just <laughs> nuts. It's just crazy. Can I have one? Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, just give yourself one, right? Yes. You know, because you know you don't need like lineage or you know you don't need to do uh, that. Just boom, you know. You can give me one, right? You, have, I, you're, you're, I, you go way back. You know, or you just pay me money. That's all. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, just give me a whole lot of money. That's uh, so Ben Askren, we're not sure if he's got it yet. We didn't really get yeah. a good chance to see it because there but, was only a couple minutes into the fight. Yeah. Um. So we'll see the rematch and yeah. see how that goes. Let's, yeah. See how it goes. So interesting. Now the the next fight. Usman versus uh, Woodley. Very, very interesting fight. I didn't watch this one. You didn't watch it? I don't know why. Well, it, I just wasn't paying it, attention. You know, guess. Woodley's the champ. And he was the champ. He was the champ. Was the champ. <laughs> right. And, Spoiler uh, alert. Right. And, <laughs> and you know, he, he you know, I, I was actually the night before, I was, I was like slightly cleaning the academy and I was listening to a podcast of him talking. And he's like, he's like, I'm the most tactical, well rounded guy this division has seen. And Woodley? Yeah, Woodley. Yeah. And he's not, he's not like talking trash. He's like, he's like, I'm, I'm always watching tape. I'm doing this. And I'm like, wow, that's really cool. You know, that's great. But, you know, and he's like saying, because you know, he's had some performances where he, where it's kind of a snoozer. And he becomes this like counterfighter, and he's trying to explain why he, all those old fights were snoozers. And he's like, "Yeah, you know, I made this guy fight this way because you know I was challenging him this way and this." And okay, cool, okay. I was like, "Oh, interesting." And but I don't think that is true. <laughs> I think what happens is is this: in his training camp, he's used to being. And we talked about this in many podcasts. You're used to being the toughest, strongest guy in the room. And so you kind of like lay back and you, you know, you counterfight a lot more. And he's like, especially the champion, he's like, man, you got to come beat me. So what I'm going to do is wait for you to kind of make a mistake. I'll counter you. And you saw that with um, with uh, the Thompson fight where nothing happened. I mean, nothing happened mm-hmm. until he hit him once. And then he won, he won a very lackluster decision. With his Darren Till fight, I mean, legitimately, he was... He was, um, you know, he tapped him out legitimately. But at the same time, I mean, Tyrone Woodley's really good. But at the same time, he's like more passive. And sometimes, you know, people can really take advantage of that. And 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 you see champions get people get a little bit more passive. And when you're when you're fighting someone who is your physical equal or superior, suddenly passivity doesn't work. Man, you gotta move. You gotta weave. You gotta be. You gotta put action on. You gotta do this. You gotta do this. And and Woodley's corner was like, "Come on, you gotta go. You gotta do this. You gotta do this." And he's like, "Dude, every round, he's like, dude, you're losing here. You're gonna. This is bad, man. You can't back up. You gotta do this. You gotta do this." And he's like, "Boom!" And he's just backing up, backing up, which is something he always did, backing up and kind of being counterfeited. And then he just got dominated because his mom was like, "Oh, you're gonna let me do that? Well, guess what? I got more coming." <laughs> and he just. Really wonderful shoot boxing, you know, striking to take down, striking to take down, striking to take down, striking to clinch. And he just destroyed him from the standing clinch, destroyed him from the takedown, the striking, destroyed him from the ground, mounted him, just just beat him down. There was not one moment where, you know, Woodley could say he had some point to the fight. And, you know, he was doing these 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 desperation moves. There's jumping guillotine. And it's a strong guy move. And he's desperation. And then, you know, after someone beats the snot out of you on the ground, 
you don't want to jump guard, which in my academy, I don't let people jump guard. And we just talked about Pedro Munoz uh, last fight. He had a really good guillotine at one point where he did this guillotine and, and Ortega too, where you do these guillotines, but a lot of times you roll the guy and instead of winding up in your guard, you wind up on top or like slightly lateral to them where you're not underneath them. I don't believe in really jumping guard and finishing because it's too much of a risk. Jump the guillotine, roll them over, wind them out. Now, if you lose the guillotine, you're on top. So, you know, I would say, you know, every I always talk about like, let's what we can we learn from each fight? And I would say, you know, for the listeners out there, it's like, if you're going to go for a guillotine, don't jump guard. Jump to a sweeping guillotine and then wind up on top. Use it to, like Uriah Faber used to do the same thing. All the team alpha male guys, they do it a lot. They jump to guillotines, but then what they do is they roll you over and they either have mount or a very top kind of lateral position. They do it all the time. Very, very important to do that. Because then cause it was like a desperation movie. And he, then he loses the guillotine. I think it's, it's wrecked again. Like, And you're tired because your arm's burnt out. Yeah. And um, it, it was it was a bad fight. It was a bad fight in terms of like, you know, um, Usman's performance. I mean, uh, Woodley's performance. But Usman was great. And, you know, the first Nigerian uh, UFC champion, you sure. know, this cool. And, um, you know, first, first I think, African uh, Af- African champion, I would assume. Right? Mm-hmm. right? I think so. I think yeah, 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 yeah. Nagano would have been, but he's not. So... Um, that's that's pretty that's pretty cool. That's very cool. Yeah, and um, and he was he was awesome. He was amazing, and um, you know he's not it's not called Black Zillions anymore. It's called you know Hard Hard Knocks three hundred and sixty or something. It's but it's the Black Zillion camp, mm-hmm. and they're really you know they have some guys that are that are really in the mix and, and doing well. And that camp is another uh, it's a it's a camp that had to re re retool itself after Black Zillions collapsed, and I, I believe their funding got cut off or something like the. The guy, the guy died who was funding it or something like that. But the Black Zillion camp died, and it was re, reconstituted under Henry Hooft, which is who's a uh, kick um, Dutch sure. Muay Thai fighter. And the camp is great. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Uh, Woodley is looking for a rematch right away. He yeah. wants. <laughs> he wants to fight back. Fight yeah. again. That's ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> that is like you got shellacked for all the entire fight. You do not deserve an immediate rematch. Yeah. Um, but definitely, I think Ben Askren and Robbie Lawler should have one. You know, like that's that's a different story. Well, there was a story about a um, Kobe Covington and yeah, uh, yeah, Usman's yeah, camp or uh, corner to get in a fight. So the whole fight, I didn't. I, um, Kobe I Covington is standing up, wearing what I believe was a Make America Great Again hat, and oh, wearing Lord. yeah, and 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 having I believe a, you know must have been a fake UFC belt holding it. Standing in the audience, right, and he is like a front row seat. So he's standing the whole fight, standing there, you know, doing his like, you know, uh, in, you know, um, I don't know, his masculine, you know, beating his chest gorilla dance. Yeah. You're not really dance, but you know, like just kind of there, and then and then saying, you know, I'm going to take you, and his typical Cody Kobe Covington like, you know, bull crap, and just being, being stupid, and uh, and you know, for you guys who don't know, Kobe Covington is like he's like the new. Trash talker, wannabe Conor McGregor guy, and he's good. I mean, legitimately, he's good, but uh, but he's also like out of control in terms of his toxicity and silliness. And but you know, he's good. And you know, American Top Team and Black Zillions have always had a rivalry because you know they're really they used to be really close to each other. And the guy who founded Black Zillions was um, had some relation to American Top Team. But then he left and formed his own team, and then a bunch of American top team guys left. And so they're like, oh, these guys are a bunch of traitors. So there's always been a little bad blood between those teams. And like I said, Brazilians, um, 
you know, kind of had to recreate it, but it's basically the same guys. It's Rashad Evans, uh, Jay Z Cavacanch, uh, George Santiago, uh, and now Gilbert, Gilberto Durino Burns is there. And the, um, who is the, he's the Swiss fighter. It's, um, I believe his name is Volkan Ozdemir. That's the one, you know, he, he's the one who fought Daniel Cormier, right? Ozdemir? Yeah, Ozdemir, right? For Daniel Cormier. The, the yeah, ball, the ball, so. Swiss yeah, yeah, guy, yeah. right? Yeah. He trains there. Um, a lot of guys train there, and and it, it's a it's a really tough camp. But they have a lot of bad blood with American top teams. So Kobe Covington's obviously American top team, and you know they're they like I said they're neighbors, you know. So I'm sure on the amateur circuit they they see each other a lot. Those two teams, and mm-hmm. it is it is what it is, you know. And, or the the lower level MMA circuit, you know. So there's there's the, that that too, and Kobe Covington being his brash self is is inflaming the fires, and and yeah, whatever. But what did he what did he do? Um, what did he do uh, after the fight? Did, I, I don't. I don't pay attention to that. Well, stuff, he's been but. permanently banned from the Palms Casino Resort after skirmish with UFC welterweight champion Kamaru Usman's Wait, what? manager Ali Abadiz. Oh, sorry, I mispronounced that name. Um, they got in a fight after in the hotel. Really? Resort, and he's been banned. Um, wait, 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 wait. Be- he confronted Usman, or he just confronted his manager? His manager. Wow, I don't even know why I did that. But anyway, yeah, he's an idiot. Yeah, wow. But but you know, the, I I don't like the the modern UFC managers. But you know, they'll probably use this as promo for for setting sure. up a fight. He was yelling. Oh my God, Kobe Covington was yelling that terrorist rat should be deported back to whatever country yeah. he snitched on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. Let's let's move on from yeah. Kobe Covington. Yeah, yeah. On to John Bones Jones. Yeah, um, it was a good fight. I mean, nobody was surprised. I don't think. No, no. Didn't we have a bet? I don't think so. <laughs> if we but did, I, I, I don't just think, assume I, I lost. Think, no, no, no. I don't think. I think I said it would be like the third round stoppage or further or something like that. I so think you're telling me you won. No, no, no. But I don't. I think I said a stoppage. So I don't think either of us won. Yeah, no, nobody won. Yeah, I think. I think it's an even <laughs> one. Yeah, because <laughs> you said it was going to go like really. I thought gonna, it would be like a first or second. First, yeah, exactly. Right. I said it's going to the third round. Because look. Anthony Smith, I don't think he's he. I, I don't think he was ever a threat. Like somebody told me in Academy, do you think he's he's good? Because the kid has, you know, the kid has like forty MMA fights pro and 30, uh, 30 amateur. He's got like tons and tons and thirty one and fourteen and, and a professional. Record. Yeah, yeah, that's insane. And, and then he's he's like amateur is like crazy. So he's got like almost eighty fights. <laughs> that's nuts. That's nuts. So he's got a lot of experience. Um, however, you know he he. He's not there yet, and uh, maybe he will be. You know, he has a lot of growth, but he's not there yet. So I was like, "There's no way he can challenge John Jones." I don't. I just don't see it. And um, well, Jones almost lost that fight. Yeah, yeah, but not because yeah, DQ. Yeah, yeah DQ. You know, to the, a repeat oh, of oh, Matt oh. Hamill. Right, right. But you know, do you think that was intentional? Because you know, Jones is a no, cheater. Like you I don't, don't think, think it's so. intentional. No, no for I mean, real. Just right. with the eye pokes and everything, the same thing. And I think he's just he's a he's a gangly weirdo, and he's too big for his own good, and he. Does things on accident? Yeah, you know, you know, it's it's. I I think it's sort of like um like that guy um the the awful guy who fought in the um you know who who almost who DQ'd himself in the in the last fight you know the the football guy. Oh yeah, I can't yeah. remember his name, but yeah. yeah, yeah, right. So sometimes you you do things on purpose, right? For sure. And there are times where John Jones has done certain things on purpose, and you're like. You know, and cheating is rampant in the UFC. It's not just him. Like I said, headbutts, 
cheating is rampant. And there was that Chinese fighter who like legitimately took his thumb and just jammed in the other guy's eye to get out of the guillotine. Like, like, dude, you know, come on. That's what I so, would do though. <laughs> get off my back. <laughs> but um but this one I think was it was really fast. And I was saying, if it were me, would I have hit him in the head? And yeah, John Jones has been around for a long time and he's very experienced. He knows better. But at the same time, it was really fast. And I'm like, you know, if I was kicking like that and the guy was in this position, I probably would have connected to his head too because it's just too fast. I'm not that fast to 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 think. Now, of course, John Jones is way faster than I am. But I'm like, I could see that being a legitimate mistake. Now, only John Jones knows what's John Jones' head. But I I'm glad they didn't DQ him because, you know, it, that was within the margin of error. Um, but do you think that altered the fight in any way? I, I don't really think so because I, I think, think the fight so. – Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't that that uh, important, I don't think. Yeah. Also, I think John Jones looked like, like crap. He did. Yeah. Even though, you know, he was he was a dominant performance. Well, he probably I, didn't prepare as much as he should have for yes, this fight. Yes. I don't think he prepared. He I think he was like, yes, that's exactly what I think. I don't think he took it. Uh, uh, seriously, so I don't think he showed up. You know, he's he's a weirdo. He's a weirdo, and he's very. You know, he needs another one. He needs a, a coach to get his psychological. You know, sports psychologist psychologist coach to get his head on straight. So you know, the martial arts is not just about physical ability, but it's about training your mind as well. And you know, I'm not talking about the cultist stuff that we we, we touch upon in, in the True Believers podcast. Uh, episode, which you, I think everybody should check out. But at the same time, just on a performance basis, if you can't get in the zone, if you can't get your mind straight, you're not going to win. And then, so what you have to do is you have to train your mind in some way to perform and to be your best and to also strive to be your best and put hard work in the gym. And, you know, I think John Jones like, yeah, I'm not motivated. This guy's not that good. You know, whatever, dude. And I don't think he trained that much for this fight. You know, he's not motivated. But that being said, this Anthony is durable. He's durable and he's very, very tough. Yeah. And he didn't come like he he at a certain point you could see in his face he was going like this. I make this expression. He was going like this in his face. And he Jones did big brother him, meaning like, oh, you're gonna try that, bop. Okay, you pay for this. <laughs> oh, you're gonna try that, bop. You pay for this. Oh, you pay for this. And then he's like, mm. fuck, I don't know what to do. And 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 he got Jones got in his head and. um and it's funny because they weren't trash talking. Jones was like, oh, you know, you guys are ta- – they were talking, but they were – like Anthony Smith was very respectful. He's like, oh, that was pretty cool. But I think he was like, oh, you are the big brother and I'm the junior and fuck, I don't really know what to do here. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is you go down the spiral where it's paralysis by analysis. You're, you're, you're like, should I do this? Should I do this? Should I do this? And you wind up doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And um, Interesting. And think- that happens. And I think that's – you know, it takes two to fight. And I think when he wasn't pushing, Jones was like, all right, you're not pushing. Well, I'll do what I need to do. To you. mm-hmm. You're not going to win. So I already got three rounds. Whatever, dude. Do you think Jones uh, kept it going so it went five rounds for any particular reason? Yeah, you know, you know, and this is this I totally agree with. There's certain fighters where um, they want to manage the damage they take. And I get that. So he's he like, take much, he's yeah, like, yeah. I mean, but he's like, well, you know. I can I can I can coast out this victory without putting myself out of here and I don't have to get hurt. So I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. It's working. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting hurt and I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. So there's no reason for me not to do to do more. Yeah. And so I, I kinda get that. I don't think it was conscious like, oh, let me take it further it's for fan service. Like yeah. the Ali Aquinta um uh Khabib, Khabib fight was kinda like that where Khabib was like 
you know, let me take this a little bit longer. So give some fan service because, mm-hmm. you know, you could just tell he was like, eh, I could probably finish this. No disrespect to Ali Quinta, who's a great fighter, but, you know, he wasn't really offering Khabib a lot of defense in other ways. Although, he, you know, mm-hmm. he, he obviously Khabib's like, well, I'll just practice my jab here. Well, he took the fight on like two weeks. You know? Yeah, that's true. You know, that. Yeah. no disrespect to your, to your friend. No disrespect. But but I'm just saying, you know, and he's a great fighter and he deserves to be in the in the fight mix. And yeah, all but that. you could see that. But that was, fight that was, was yeah, exactly. That sure. fight was like, you know, he he needed more a full camp for sure. And, and Khabib was like, okay, let's prolong this fight. Mm-hmm. For a little bit of fan service or for my own practice, and mm-hmm. I, but I don't think John Jones made that 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 calculation. No, like let's perform, let's do it. But I do think he was he was like I, everything I'm doing right now is working, so I don't need to do anything more. You, you know, and I, sure. he, you know, it, it's I have this one with one of my fighters that he when you put someone really tough in front of him, he rises to the challenge and performs his best, and that's happened with a few guys. And when you put someone who's not a challenger, he kind of he kind of like, oh, you know, okay, I'll just this is enough to win, and I'm not going to lose, but this is enough that he really rises to the challenge and and fights to the level of his opponent. Mm-hmm. And a lot of fighters are like that. And I, I don't, you know, it's steel sharpens steel. Yeah, man. yeah, for sure, that's our motto. But it's also like you rise to that challenge, and if the challenge is not there. You know, you're like, why do I have to rise? <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to go past this, which is not, I don't endorse that, but I understand. Do as it. little and, yeah. as possible. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. You know, and, and that, <laughs> I think that's, you know, but that happens. Though. What happens is then you, then you don't have the gear. You kind of lose the gear to go further. And I think that's a little what happened to Tyron Woodley. You know, like he, he didn't have that extra gear. Yeah, he's not being yeah. tested. Uh, right. There's a couple of news stories that I want to yeah. talk about before yeah. we move on to yeah. the meat of the episode. Uh, big congratulations. We haven't talked about it in a little bit, but Mackenzie Dern uh, announced that she's pregnant. So to she, the sadness of many male fans. <laughs> <laughs> she does pledge to come back and fight as soon as, obviously, she gives birth and recovers. And do you think she'll come time. back? I do. Oh, okay. You don't think she is? I mean, it seems like fighting is a very important part of her life. Maybe not yeah. UFC. Maybe she'll fight in, like, uh, you know, gi tournaments or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You know. I think, yeah, she'd probably do something like that. But uh, I think, um, you know, especially with the weight cut, and you know, coming after pregnancy, that has got to be. Look, I'm not an expert, but it's got to be really, really hard. You know, she always struggled with weight cut issues before. Maybe we should move up a weight class. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> probably no, no. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But congratulations. No, that's good for her. Uh, yeah. I think married to like a Brazilian uh, surfer guy. Oh, really? So yeah, I think my wife mentioned that that she she had something like that. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. poor Buchecha. Sorry, she you know you know Mackenzie Dern's left a trail of broken hearts in the jiu-jitsu community starting oh, yeah. with starting with Tanguinho. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's moved on to a surfer dude now. <laughs> no Throwing through all the sports. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully she's settled. I think the uh, surfer dudes are the better looking ones, probably. Less <laughs> <laughs> cauliflower. Yeah, exactly. Uh, then we have uh, just recently, as of three hours ago. Uh, Dana White confirms that Daniel Cormier's next fight will be against Brock Lesnar. No, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. And a sad steep A sits and waits. You know, <laughs> you That's know, literally you know, the next you know what? I, I actually, you know what? I'm not a Brock, Brock Lesnar fan by no, any means. But does. I don't know. You know like, <laughs> I mean, a lot of people yeah, yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. But they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be, right? At least right, not yeah, UFC. Yeah, yeah. Talk, about, talk about, you know, toxic masculinity right there. But, um, <laughs> nice but, uh, but, that's kind of an interesting fight if if Brock really trains hard and I I don't think he has any of that but he is look the guy has a a legitimate you know record in MMA was a former champ a wrestler came back I mean former UFC champ you know like I mean come on 
I'm not a fan, but he has had some. He's put together some victories, and he's he's a force, man. That guy is a force. So that's an interesting fight, particularly given that Daniel is very undersized for heavyweight. He is so, and Brock Lesnar is not. So that's a little bit of a David versus Goliath, a little bit of Japanese, you know, uh, sideshow matchup. But it's it's interesting mm-hmm. and comp- uh, uh, compelling. Where's this fight won? Where do they win this fight? Mm. I think I'm rooting for Cormier in this one. Of just course. I oh, don't yeah. like Lesnar. <laughs> and I think the Cormier is a better fighter all around anyway. If Lesnar takes Cormier to the ground, Cormier is fucked. I believe Really? That. I don't think Cormier is really well, that Lesnar's big. He's huge. He's and huge I don't think Cormier is really a, uh, like, because he's so used to being the guy. We always talk about it. When you're a guy in the, excuse me, in the room mm. who can put everybody on your back, it's not often that you train your guard or your your half guard or your butterfly guard. It's not often you train that. And how often is Daniel Cormier being put on his back all the time and and just making sure that he can deal with a guy uh, that size? You know, I don't know. Um, and, and Daniel Cormier doesn't move like he's really a, like a guy who could who could deal with Daniel Cormier, with uh, Brock Lesnar's weight without giving up his back. So this is what happens if 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 Cormier gets taken down, he'll scram- try to scramble up into Turtle and give up his back. And there I could see like one big punch from Brock Lesnar or, or you know, kind of a control from Brock Lesnar uh, hitting him. However, I really would give it to Daniel Cormier because Daniel Cormier does – Brock Lesnar has very poor striking, although he did get better. Um, he has a lot of power, but he doesn't have technical striking. Um, upper body clinch, hmm, that's hard. I would say – I would say an upper body clinch, I'd give the advantage to Daniel Cormier probably. Mm. And and on the top position, both of them are weak in the guard, on the back. Both of them are weak on their back. So whoever gets put on the back is going to lose. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting. you know, it's interesting. It's interesting because it's going to probably go to clinch because I don't think Brock Lesnar can can bully Daniel Cormier to the ground. So it's going to go to clinch, and whose clinch is better? And, you know, Brock Lesnar is a bully. He's a bully, meaning this. When he does well, he does great. But once you hit him and you punish him, he cracks. He cracks bad. Mm. So, I mean, um, and and Cormier has has power now. When he puts on that weight, I mean, he, he drops deep eight, you know? I was not expecting that. But when he puts that weight on, he he has some he has some power. So... I think this is what's going to happen. They're going to wind up in the clinch because neither one were good distance strikers. Neither one. They're going to wind up in the clinch, and then um, Cormier is going to hit one of the two guys. Is going to hit each other, hit the other guy with power from the clinch. It's going to go down, and then it's going to be a TKO from like Turtle. Hmm. That's what I see. And then probably I think Brock Lesnar probably the one to tap out first because he, he is a he's a bully, and when you push bullies, they <laughs> yeah. break. You know, that's it. Yeah. All right. You know, well, that's, it, that's it, what I think. There's no official date announced, so we'll talk more details as we get closer. But that just came out, so I wanted to yeah. throw it at you. Um, but speaking, yeah. Speaking yeah. of Brock Lesnar. So, you know, okay, did you see? I want to talk about this. And this is really important um, to any martial artist because um, I think we, we can, we can, we can. Martial arts is most martial art practitioners right now are male. That's true. That's just a fact. You know, most most martial art practitioners, particularly the com, com, very more combative martial arts, you go to any dojo, it's usually eighty five percent guy, twenty percent girl, and that's it. That's true. That I think that's that's sad. That's unfortunate, but it's it's generally true. You know, um, and um, 
So martial arts is very often a path for us to explore our masculinity and our sense of selves, which I think can be very healthy. You know, uh, explore your sense of your physicality, explore your sense of self-protection, because I think in our in our way of conceiving of the world and, and the way we look at being a man, not being able to protect yourself can be um, very very much an insecurity for guys, you know, particularly not so much in self-defense, like, oh, I'm going to get mugged on the street, but more like ego defense, like I'm in a bar and a guy like gets in my face and, you know, I have to like not look like an idiot in front of the girls and this and it becomes this this performative thing. And also, you know, legitimately self-defense as well, you know, um, obviously that there's that. So martial arts is very often this path for us to develop our masculine traits and so there's that Gillette ad which says which is very much a little bit left of center politically which is like you know don't be toxically masculine you know be be you know strive for your best have you seen that have mm-hmm. you seen yeah yeah and and what do you think about it I had no problems with it I mean yeah right right exactly, yeah. exactly right I had no problems and yet and, and like a lot of people just blow up mm-hmm. and they're like you know, oh, this is an attack on masculinity and, you know, this whole concept of toxic masculinity is like bullshit and, you know, it's like, you know, people today are a bunch of snowflakes, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, the problem I have is that is it's ignoring data. You know, um, I had terrible news. I mentioned this on one podcast, but a martial artist I really look up to, his name is Carl Tanswell. He is the first UK Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. He was part of the SBG network, which is Conor McGregor's network, but he founded SBG Manchester. He's a great martial artist. He also is a uh, was, unfortunately, was a great innovator in the empty hand versus knife defense. He has this knife defense system. And I, I thought he was brilliant. I was looking, hope, hopefully looking forward to meet him. And he's an old school tough guy in the sense that you know, he was really there fighting and he's known as confronting a, a martial arts fraud and kind of showing him up, uh, you know, because there's a, you know, he's one of the cheap last guys in Europe and he's like, dude, this is a little crap. Try mm-hmm. your stuff on me. And, and uh, anyway, but he's an old school martial artist, really a pioneer and wound up taking his life. And just today, and you know, the band Prodigy, mm-hmm. you know, the guy just killed himself. Right? Oh, really? Yeah. So, you know, it's something like one in four guys in America uh, you know, suicide is suicide and drug overdose are the leading cause. I don't know the exact leading cause of death right now. Mm-hmm. Suicide and drug overdose, and the reason people turn to drugs is because they're by 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 the data unhappy, anxiety among men. You know, tremendous. And I think that's what kind of fuels like a lot of this like political climate we have because we 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 feel a lot of anxiety. We can't define ourselves in the positive masculine virtues that we used to, and and um and it, it drives us to despair. Mm-hmm. Also, um, on the male side, that's that. So there's a lot of problems for men. Men are dealing with a lot of problems. And part of them is that they go into what's the psychologist, the American Psychiatric Association just came out and said that, you know, when they're dealing with men, and this is this is psychiatrist, this is not, this is not political. This is, this is a book that they came out and they said, this, they, they come out with this, you know, book of like, directions for psychiatrists for the you know next five years or something right mm-hmm. and they're like toxic masculinity don't use those terms but the tos- toxic masculinity is a thing and you have to try to understand that these definitions of manliness can really isolate and drive people to despair and this is something we have to talk about and so you know the Carl Tanswell like, supposedly had a lot of these these demons like he you know um 
that drove him to that. And I just had this wonderful – but came here, wonderful conversation with you know um, my student. And I said, you know, competition – you know, sometimes you compete and you you want to defeat the guy in the academy, and you know everything that is your thing is I want to beat this guy down because your ego is so involved in that. Because if what is ego? Well, ego is like, oh, it's my sense of self. Well, my sense of self doesn't feel good. My sense of myself. What does it mean? My sense of myself as a man doesn't feel good unless I'm the hammer. That's not healthy. Mm. And we see that in a lot of martial arts schools where it's toxic. You get your boost of manliness by being the dominant alpha, you know, being the, 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 the guy. And you see this. You walk around at any gym and you see toxic masculine all the time. You know, the bros walk around flashing their packs and, you know, and then, you know, they go to the beach and they take advantage of the scorny other kid. And that's toxic. Look, we've all experienced toxic masculinity because a lot of us were bullied by guys who are jerks. And But you know what? Not only that, so that makes us want to be more masculine. And very often that leads us to abusing or domineering other people. You know, it's not like, oh, I'll be a healthier person because of that. It's I perpetrate the cycle. And that is that is a terrible thing. The other thing is when we perpetrate the cycle, our definition of us versus who? Women. We treat women like crap. You know, it's one uh, – um, there's a statistic. I forget what it is, but statistics of, of you know groping and sexual assault – are terrible. And then this, this just came out a couple days ago. Duke University, really amazing institution. Three out of four female undergrads at Duke University admitted in a survey, and this is like hundreds of people, that they were sexually assaulted or groped. Three out of four. Like, there's a problem here, guys. There's a problem in how we treat women, and there's a problem in how we treat ourselves. And, and we're, nobody's saying that we're going to attack masculinity. But at the same time, life is balanced. Every human being is a combination of both masculine and feminine traits. And there's there's good masculinity and there's toxic masculinity. We're not having a war on men. What we want to do is let's identify what's positive, like that commercial, and say let's do this and be better versions of ourselves, but also identify things that are not good. And sometimes we do this. Like I truly believe in grit. And pushing yourself and going hard and going strong. And, you know, the other yesterday I was um, coaching one of my students who's, I love the kid. He's a wonderful guy. And I was coaching him hard. I'm like, go, you got to do this, this. And I was really hard on him because I want to bring the best out of him. But at the same time, I have empathy for him, you know, a lot of empathy. And I went home and I couldn't stop thinking about it because, you know, I'm like, I think at the same time, and empathy is like, quote unquote, a female trait, which it shouldn't be. You know, because we are all stronger together with, with each other. Um, a lot of times, this is what happens. I get strong. And what do I do? I look down on the weak guy. Oh, you can't keep up? You can't do, yeah. do you even lift, bro? <laughs> you know, like, you can't, what, you know, that's, that's, that's contempt. And that has become of toxic masculinity. Like, you're not as tough as me. Guess what? And what it is, is you're, that's fear. That's fear because you remember when you were the weak kid. And by putting down that kid, it makes you feel better about yourself. But that's so fucking terrible. And, you know, it's filled with martial arts, particularly MMA gyms and a lot of jiu-jitsu gyms where I, you know, you go in and it becomes this culture of who's the, who's the alpha. And then and you want to compete in this and you don't tap and you get hurt and this and that. Dude, it's not about you competing against the other guy. It's about you being 1% better of yourself and pushing yourself. And, you know, when you weak, weaker guy comes to the academy, don't look down on him. You know, there's, there's a funny thing. This is, you know, there's tons of memes like this in jiu-jitsu schools all the time. It's like there's like a picture of like, uh, you know, 
the the one stripe white belt, and then there's the new guy, and it's fresh meat. <laughs> you know, like oh, finally there's someone we can put down on the you know the ladder and smash him down, and I can feel good about myself, dude. That is so fucking unhealthy. <laughs> that is so unhealthy. And let me tell you, champions don't do that. Yeah. Champions are they? You know those guys? Those are the Brock Lesnar's that fucking break. They fucking break because you're too stiff, and it takes a. This sounds like you know freaking Hillary Clinton bullshit, but it is. It takes a village to make you strong. It takes your striking coach, your jiu-jitsu coach, all your training partners, anybody who goes into a fight is a product of a team and a clan and a family, and martial arts always came out of the clan. What is martial arts for? To protect the weak people. Don't have contempt for them. Have empathy for them. You should be the guy standing up for the weak guy and saying, hey, this is, this is how it's done. Hey, let me, let me show the ropes. And whatever, it's, whatever martial arts go, I've seen it. I'll tell you an experience I had in Japan. One of the reasons I stopped training karate in Japan. So, you know, guys, I, I, I started in karate. I moved to Japan. And I was doing a lot of different martial arts. But, of course, you know, I was a karate guy, so I, I wanted to continue doing karate. So I was at the – and I'm going to say it. I was at the JKA, the Japan uh, Karate Federation headquarters, right, and old school Japanese place. And the instructors there were pretty good, right? They weren't bad guys or anything like that, right, at least as far as I could tell. Um, but they were old school, which is nothing wrong with that. But the junior instructors came in at one point. And not the not the seniors, eighty year old guys. But I'm talking about more junior guys, right? They were like you know twenties, and they're all tough, and they're all from the high school, colleges. And they brought in this college team, and I have never seen such horrible bullying and hazing in my life. Mm. So I'm watching these guys coach, and the guy is taking a bamboo stick and just beating another guy down, and just and not only that, but verbally abusing him too. Like, terrible. Mm. And this is actually like part of Japanese culture. It's a dark side of Japanese culture. Whereas, okay, if you're not tough, I'm going to I'm gonna abuse you. Remember, remember that movie, um, Full Metal Jacket? You remember that movie? Yeah. Remember the scene where the, you know, Vincent D'Onofrio's character can't keep up? So what do they do? They all put soap in the, in the, in the, up, and yeah. beat him up, you know? Sure. And like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> That's fucking terrible. You know, like, like yeah, we want to be strong. I want to grit. But you don't want to get you know, and if somebody's not pushing their weight legitimately, that's a problem. You know, hey, I get that. But at the same time, having contempt for weak people to be, feel good about yourself is so fucking destructive. And it isolates you. And you know what? It's not healthy. And then also not recognize that every single one of us has a moment of weakness. And we need someone. You need – and people have to admit that you can't be like fucking, you know – Clint Eastwood, you know, fistful of dollars, you know, I'm going to walk in the sunset alone. Man, that's fucking Hollywood bullshit. Mm. Dude, you need a clan. You need people, and you're going to have days where you're going to be down. You're going to be shit. You're going to be awful. And you know what? Your JoJo brother is going to put his hand on your head and you hey, man, I've been there too. You know, it's cool. It's chill. Is it, you know, did you work hard today? Good? Well, that was a good day. You know, not like, yeah, dude, you know that guy fucking tapped the shit out of you yesterday. You suck, motherfucker. No, Mm -hmm. that's terrible. And that's the culture in a lot of martial arts schools where it's like, who can be more alpha? And it's not just, not just jujitsu. It's not just MMA. It's not just Muay Thai. It's like everything, even, even Aikido. Man, toxic masculinity is rampant in Aikido, even though they don't actually fight. (laughs) But it's like, this is a terrible thing because it's, it's pattern of dominance. And the Japanese philosophers or actually Buddhist philosophers recognize this centuries ago. I mentioned this years ago, but there's, um, you know, a lot of times the the Buddhist philosophers um, talk about personality traits, but they have archetypes. Just like, you know, you have these Jungian psychological archetypes in the West. What they used is they used the kind of like Hindu 
goddesses or gods as like kind of archetypes of, of personality. And this is goddess Azura, right? And it's the goddess of like, you know, it's the path of Azura is known as the Buddhist path. Of like, And I'm not a Buddhist scholar or anything. You know, I did my Japanese studies, but this is, you know, years ago. But it's this path of like dominance, but it's also the path of self-destruction. So what it is is like you're just this, this machine of like dominating others for your own growth versus like doing your inner work. And it's like this is not what we need to be. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's like that's the antithesis of Zen and Buddhism. Don't go down that path of like feeling good at yourself as the expense of others. And this is why a lot of fighters, you know, they they um you know, they can't stop fighting not because they're adrenaline rush or this and then that's that happens that's too and you want it but you, they define themselves in the context of demolishing and and pushing down and crushing others. I'm the man, I'm the hammer, you're the nail. And if I'm not the hammer, what the fuck am I? You know, and and I think or I'm not the I'm a fighter but now I'm a little older and I was just saying, you know, like look, I'm almost 50. And, you know, I've trained some of my guys. Like, I was rolling with G the other day, and he just, like, moshed me. That's one of my fighters. And, you know, like, it's tough. You know, like, you, you know, like, man, you know, it's like you have to define yourself by more than beating people. You have to define yourself by your effort and your grit, for sure. But you can't say, I'm better because I'm better than that guy. You know, like, no, it's better because I did my best and I, I'm striving towards what are what are positive male values? Courage, determination, also your protector. That those are male positive male traits. This is positive. I'm I'm not a war for masculine. I believe in masculine traits, but masculine traits can be in women too. This is not a definition of gender. It's like, okay, I can be a protector, I can be courageous, and I can have grit, and you can be a woman. I can be uh, have that as a man, but I can also have empathy and compassion and self forgiveness as a man, and that's a quote unquote feminine trait. But these are these are humanistic values. They're they're not just male or female. But in men, it's like oh, you know, real men don't fucking cry, you know, or real men don't you know don't eat quiche or whatever. What, what the <laughs> fuck? Who decided that? You know, I and love then quiche. yeah, I know, right? Me too. <laughs> and you know, and you know, a lot of these definitions are not that old. You know, this Jordan Peterson gets out there and he says, oh, well, you know, there's this biological imperative that this and that, yeah, whatever, dude. A lot of them are Victorian. You know, there's these pictures, right? Because, you know, homophobia goes very much in hand in hand with this toxic culture. But there's pictures which you look at guys and there's much more of a brotherhood aspect in the 19th century before the Victorian values really took hold and things like that of guys like hugging and being what would consider be like almost like a, a, a homosexual level of intimacy but they're not. They're just guys. They're just hugging each other, you know, like holding hands because that's cool because you're my brother. You're my bro, you know, but you can't do that anymore because it's like gay, man. <laughs> like, dude, why not? Who the fuck cares? You know, and there's this great post of this guy and he's like a manly man, but he has a son and his son wants to wear dresses. And, and then people are like, dude, why do you literally your son wear dresses? It was like, because he wants to. Who, well, you got a problem with that? I don't have a problem with that. That's real masculinity. And, you know, a real man a real person, a real actualized human is okay with showing their vulnerability. You know, okay with, hey man, today wasn't the best day for me, but you know what? That's okay. I'm going to have compassion for myself. I'm going to go and I'm also, I'm just strive harder the next day and I'm not going to get in this pit. And if I have a problem, I am going to seek out my friends, my tribe. You can't do it alone. And then that's when you go down that hole and you do a drug overdose and, and addiction. And you know, John Jones, you know, that guy has a problem. That guy has a problem, and he has some something that he's covering through drug addiction and you know, or addiction, but you know something. And while he's a, a 
brilliant fighter. He's not self-actualized. He's doing some sort of behavior that is not getting him where he needs to be, you know? And um, I don't know. Look, I'm not in his head. I can't, you know, diagnose him from afar. But, you know, when you're going on these benders of, you know, that's not a healthy thing. And, you know, drug addiction, binge drinking, all these things, especially in America, are huge. Like, dude, that's not healthy, man. That's Mm -hmm. not healthy. And it's not healthy because we put these man box traits, and that's not a term I use. It's a term that you know a lot of psychologists is a box. Okay, you got to be stoic. You can't cry. You can't show this. You can't do this. You got to be on your own. You got to be tough all this time, dude. You can't be tough every day. But that doesn't mean quit or give up. So that's my take, and and I think all of us have to kind of like redefine, particularly the empathy issue. Like you got to have empathy along with toughness. You can't be like, yeah, I'm tough, and fuck you, snowflake. You know, that, like what, what kind of world are we living in there? You know, and that's why that trolling culture is so good, so so big now because people are like, yeah, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. But you know, all those trolls, they're, they're just pathetic. They don't have lives sitting in the basement tapping on TV, you know, screaming. Yeah, you guys suck. We're going to come beat you up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Woodley, you're, you're, you just showed you a little bitch, man, because you couldn't fight Kamau. Like, what the fuck, man? Like, <laughs> how do you get off like putting people down? Yeah, that's so unhealthy. Not a good way to live. No, it's not. And and it's and you know what? It's rampant in the martial arts. So I would say, first of all, people listening in any martial, whatever style you are, you know, dude, help the juniors, help them, you know, teach them. You know, the other day I came into my academy and it was so cool because all the newer students were helping the newest students. So it was like a trickle down of helping. The top guys were helping the next guys, the next guys. Everybody was like teaching the other person how to do it. And I went around and make sure that everybody's teaching correctly. But, you know, like I can't do it alone. You know, everybody was helping everybody. I'm like, this is so good. And nobody's looking down on anyone because they're, they're not doing well or this. It's a place where you can push yourself and be accepted. And definitely we want grit. Grit is awesome. Push through. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. But at the same time, understand you can't always have great days. And you have to have that empathy. And we sit there and with a team, we build each other up. And I think the most successful teams understand that. You know, there's the, um, the Seattle Seahawks. You know, they, 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 they go off uh, – they have a um, sports psychologist and they, they change the way they're coaching. And, um, you know, they, they change everything to make sure that it's this positive environment so that you can self-actualize, you know, and, and you, can, you can be okay with failure. You can you can you can you can be okay with trying things. You can okay with having that day as long as you go back and say, "Hey, tomorrow I'm going to push it harder." And uh, so, for the people out there, remember, you know, every day there's going to be a time when you have a weakness, and you're gonna you're gonna have dark days. Man, I have dark days, you know. So you know what? I turn to someone, my best friends, my tribe, my my students, my wife, and uh, and you know, I I I use their energy to help me, and and that's also you got to be there for your friends and. It's really important, you know. We had we had a, sometimes you go into tournament, you, you have a loss, and um, man, it's tough. But you can't define yourself by a loss. You can't define yourself by a win either. You have to define yourself by the journey, and the journey is do your best one percent every day, and never define yourself in terms of you know like oh I pushed this guy down and I feel better about myself. That the path of Azura is is, is negative. It's it's terrible. And you, you define yourself by your compassion as well as your grit with that yin and yang, you know, and uh, it's a much better way to live, you know, and, and, and your definition of I can't cry, I can't do this. Why? Who said that? You know, there's tremendous amounts of ancient literature 
going back from Homer to this, of, of the great warriors of the uh, getting down and weeping. Because vulnerability is true strength. Showing your showing your your most vulnerable side shows that you are really strong because you're like okay even if you stab me in this heart, and you and I can come back from this. That's real strength, you know. And uh, I, I you know um, I had to struggle with this too because of course I'm not perfect. I have the insecurities and this and that. But you know I have to understand that some days, you know, it's gonna wake up and it's that dark cloud. So what do I do? You ask for help and you don't take your own life. You know, you 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 ask for help. You reach out to the community. Yeah, it's so sad. We've lost so many people uh, to this. So many people. It's, it's suicide and drug overdose and all this is terrible. Yeah, unnecessarily. So uh, um, look for help if you need it, and also give help when you can. Yeah, uh, I have no experience with this because I'm perfect. So, um, <laughs> but I'm glad that Renee is here. You to, are perfect, uh, Matt. <laughs> to let everybody know that he is imperfect. <laughs> no, no, please. Uh, I've also gone through my. So own that was that was my speech. I hope I didn't bore you. Like, no, it's very important. Do- toxic masculinity needs to stop. And yeah. uh, it stops with each and every person stopping it. And it's uh, also not a war on masculinity. No. It's, it's, there's positive and negative, you know? I, I, there's one guy who went on my Facebook. He's like, oh, you know, I'm not part of that. Okay, you're not part of that. But there's a problem. And, um, you know, there are people with dealing with that. You mm-hmm. know, if you're dealing with something, you know, you got you to gotta reach out. You got to ask for help. If you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Remember that? I think that's from the eighties and war on drugs. Yeah, but you know, I I don't know. You know, you're not part of. If you're not part of the solution, the the part of the problem is this this binary thing. You know, like (laughs) it's kind of like dark. I would say, I'd say, let's all like not judgment. You know, cast judgment. You know, that's my thing. You know, that's stupid. No, that's that's great. That was my my pretending to yeah, cast but it's judgment. really sad. You know, I walk I walked mm-hmm. into the the podcast saying I'm sad because you know the the suicides I've heard in the martial community, people taking their own life. Um, it it it's and people go to martial arts a lot of times to overcome their demons, and then when they don't succeed, you know, they 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 or they don't fit some arbitrary definition of manliness. You know, um, they. They give up, you know, and it's super sad. And, and it's, it's, it's getting me down. This man I respected so much, it, it affects me. You know, hey, I'm, I'm going to say it. Like, I'm, I'm really sad about this. Yeah. Check on your strong friends. Sometimes they need it the most. Yeah, right. Exactly. The guys who you think the strongest, you know, really need it. There's a, there's a great jiu-jitsu girl out there. Her name is Kristen Barlin, who's really, really been open. She's a warrior. Man, this girl is freaking great. She is a warrior. She's open about her struggles with um, – depression and how she's overcome it. And she's an inspiration to me. And you know what? That's a, I don't talk about masculine virtues in terms of just men. It's it's your warrior virtues. You want to be a real warrior, you open up and you show, like Chris Romulo, man, you know, he had him on our podcast. Mm -hmm. That guy, to write his book and to open up all that closet of pain and show everybody and say, learn, you know, Chris, shout out to you. You are everything that inspires me. You know, that guy is exactly it. And you know, his students are just you know amazing to have that that mentor and I know he has personally helped tons of people from the the steps of of you know despair to to really uh, you know be the best of their lives so you know they, we need more people like Chris in this yeah, world hopefully they will come all right that's our time uh, Renee we're gonna hold hands as we walk out this door <laughs> to show our masculines you know solidarity. <laughs> Um, thanks everybody for listening. I have a tendency of ruining everything. Um, no, you're perfect, Matt. <laughs> you never ruin anything. We will see you back next week. Is there anything coming up that we need to tease? Any oh yeah, no, 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 no. Yes, it's something. Um, there's some big stuff coming up. Holy crap! There's like a really big fight coming up. Um, 
Hold on. This is some like really, really serious stuff. Um, hold on. Give me a second. Give me a second. Give me a second. Events. Uh, Luis Dos de, de, de Santos. Derek Luis Jr. Dos Santos. That's interesting. Is that and, a big and, 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 and Till versus Masvidal. Darren Till versus George Ma, Jorge Masvidal. That's kind of a cool one. Yeah. You know, that's on the yeah, up and up. yeah, yeah, and and oh, and oh, another coming up March twenty third is uh, Thompson versus Pettit. Oh, so basically, you know, Thompson is originally a karate background, and Anthony Pettit is originally a taekwondo background. So obviously, they cross train and things like that. But it's interesting to see two strikers of the traditional arts face off. Obviously, they're cross trained and, and you know, Pettis is really fights like a Muay Thai guy as well. But um, but it's interesting that that's kind of a cool fight. And um, and the next one is Barbosa versus Gaethje. That's that's this is it. March has a lot of a lot of stuff. I, I'm I'm interested to see Till Masvidal. That's going to be an interesting striker match, you know. Um, so those those are some those are those are some really good fights. So very looking forward to them. All right, well we'll talk about those when they happen. Absolutely. Oh, and next week. Next week, everybody got to tune in next week because we got a, one of my really good friends who's actually a really famous author of the John Rain books. Uh, you know, if you ever love real martial art action depicted accurately and with a great story, all the John Rain series is it. It's also people don't realize, but Barry Eisler is an ex CIA agent, and and a great, really masterful uh, knowledge of of judo because I trained judo with him in Japan, Brazilian jiu jitsu, striking, uh, what would be more considered self defense com- combative things. He's a real, real martial artist who trains every day. And um, and also is a great gifted writer, and he's going to be on his podcast. Uh, he's a new book coming out, and uh, he's going to talk about it, and also talk about his his concepts of self defense and and how he he you know in the CAA and all that stuff. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Marshall underscore Culture and on Instagram at Marshall Culture Cast. Please leave a review on iTunes, and we'll see you next time on the Marshall Culture Podcast.